Hi, and welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. This is the podcast where we speak with writers about writing. Weirdly enough, that's the topic of the show. Um, we have writers come on that are just getting started, debut authors, and we've had a great season um, of those. And then once in a while, we get what I would love to say is a veteran author that comes on the show. Um, I don't know that I have anyone that is more veteran than today. <laughs> My author... Um, guest today is Jeffrey Deaver. Hi. Hi, Jeff. Sean. Jeffrey. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, Jeff is fine. Yeah. When I hear Jeffrey, I mean, I, I put that on my books because it's a bit more formal, but when I hear somebody say Jeffrey, I, I look behind me because that's what my mother said when I did something wrong and I wonder what trouble I've gotten into. So, uh, so Jeff is fine. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey, I have an uncle, Jeff, Jeff. Ah, um, and ah. he was, and my grandparents were frowned upon uh, nicknames. So they really love saying the whole name. So, you know, proper, whatever, but they, for some reason, Jeff, they were okay with Jeff. So oh, okay. I, I can Excellent. do both. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I will give you an introduction, although I don't, I can't imagine, but maybe there's two people in the world that haven't heard you, haven't heard <laughs> of you yet. So we will just go ahead and do it because that's what we do. Jeffrey Deaver, Jeff Deaver, is the number one international bestselling author of more than 40 novels. I did a quick count um, on your website and I only counted up 32. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I did a little bit more studying before I oh, started talking. Well, that, 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 that will, uh, I'll have to update that because I think we're the, the one I'm working on now is, uh, I think, 45. So we'll have yeah. to uh, take care of that. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm 51. So that's almost a book a year. Ah, of my lifetime. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you've also written, uh, contributed to or, or written three collections of short stories and a nonfiction law book. His books are sold in 150 countries and translated into 25 languages. Um, Jeff has received or been shortlisted for a number of industry awards around the world, including Novel of the Year by the International Thriller Writers, great group, um, and the Steel Dagger from the Crime Writers Association in the UK. That's another great group. Mm -hmm. Um I love both of those organizations. In 2014, he was the recipient of three Lifetime Achievement Awards. Um, a formal, this is my favorite part of your bio, a former journalist, folk singer, <laughs> and attorney. So we can see which uh, which direction your passions it, took. It, it, you're, not, you're not hanging out with Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, well, and actually, uh, when uh, people say that and they ask me about the, the very career, I say, you know what? Someday I'm going to get my career straight. Well, you know, the renaissance will happen and you will just we'll see you ah, on tour. That's what we we'll see. <laughs> we'll see you on tour. Um, you were born outside of Chicago, Midwestern guy. I'm from Indiana. Um, ah. You have a bachelor of journalism degree from the University of Missouri and a law degree from Fordham. So no slacking mm -hmm. on your part. That's wonderful. Very good. Well, I'm glad you chose writing, but oh, I think you could you. be a good folk singer. You have a great voice. I um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, Sean, that was quite interesting. I love to write. Uh, songs. In fact, I had an album of country western songs come out a few years ago. I did not uh, perform it. I did not write the music. I wrote the lyrics. And that's what my my love is. Uh, I was not a, a headbanger, if that's what they say about rock music at the time. I mean, I've seen the Stones once. Ah, that was okay. And I've never seen a heavy metal group. Um, but I love the way words go together. Paul Simon is one of my gods, Bob Dylan, uh, Jackson Brown. And uh, but, you know, each of them, whatever you say about Dylan's voice, uh, you know, he, he, he had quite a range and he was very expressive and he hit the notes. It was kind of raspy, but he hit the notes. When you hear the phrase singer songwriter, there are two components, singing and songwriting. Well, you know, the songwriting I had nailed. I mean, I've written hundreds of songs. That's not a problem. 
Singing, on the other hand, I fell a little short there. And so, uh, you know, you really need both to be successful in the business. And I did not have the uh, musical ability as much as I loved it. Um, and, and I decided, as Clint Eastwood said, as Dirty Harry, a man's got to know his limitations. And my limitation was uh, sit down and write novels. Don't write music and try to perform it. Yeah, but it's really cool that you, you know, you focus on writing in, in both those different areas, you know, but you were writing, you're writing, I mean, you've written hundreds of songs. I mean, that takes forever to write, you know, one song takes a long time to write. So <laughs> it's cool that you're, you know, that that's always been, and I, I we often find lawyers that are now writers and journalists that are now mm. fiction writers is what I mean. So it's just really all of your careers sort of kind of pointed to where you well, are. So I was, people, have, people have asked me, they said, Jeff, you write, um, crime novels and you were a, a, a lawyer in, in New York, you must have done criminal law. And my answer is, well, I'll tell you what, you draw your own conclusion, but I represented large multinational banks. And of course, you know, was that criminal law involved? Not actually, technically, but one might uh, say, if you've seen movies like The Big Short, and if you lived through 2009, um, yeah, maybe there was a little crime involved, who knows? Yeah, there's whenever there's money, there's usually crime involved somewhere. <laughs> Indeed, it's just just kind of they just go together like salt and pepper. Um, well, you're um, you've written a ton of books, but the book we're talking about today on the show is Hunting Time, and this is your brand new novel, and it's coming out in November of this month. A um, little bit in a week or in a week or so. Can you tell us a little bit about Hunting Time? Sure, Hunting Time is the fourth in the uh, series featuring my uh, I, I call him my other uh, protagonist, uh, Coulter Shaw. Uh, the primary protagonist being Lincoln Rhyme, and uh, from the Bone Collector series, your listeners may be familiar with um, the the movie and the TV show. Um, uh, but uh, Lincoln Rhyme is a very Sherlock Holmesian uh, detective. Now they're set in the modern day, but uh, he kind of hangs out because he's disabled. He hangs out in his uh, townhouse in in Manhattan and kind of outthinks the villain and rarely gets out into the uh, uh, the field. Well, that's fine. Uh, the books are very popular. I love writing them. Uh, it's an intellectual puzzle to try to outthink the uh, the villain. But, you know, there's a lot of crime out there that doesn't really require thinking. It requires chasing down and shooting at. And uh, so I decided to, uh, as a compliment to Lincoln, create Coulter Shaw, who has a rather unusual career. He is a reward seeker. Now, we all know rewards. You, you know, you see them for missing persons. Uh, escaped uh, prisoners, uh, uh, bad guys uh, that the uh, police cannot capture, FBI cannot find, uh, terrorists, of course. And these rewards range from a couple hundred dollars up to millions. The State Department has a, a website of, um, uh, of rewards offered for, you know, primarily terrorists. And it's like, I think the highest one is $25 million. And uh, I thought, well, now that's a career. Somebody wanted to pursue that. Now, in fairness, the government does not want you to strap on a six gun and go and track them down. They want information so that they can go track the uh, the bad guy or bad girl down because, you know, they don't want anybody injured in the process. Uh, but that's not Coulter Shaw. He straps on his six gun and he goes after the, uh, the villains. Uh, the first book, uh, and I'll just get this out of the way. It may have been a, a future question you were going to ask, Sean, but it's... Uh, um, about the uh, the first book, The Never Gain, which will be a CBS TV show uh, this coming spring, starring Justin Hartley uh, from This Is Us. Uh, so The Never Gain was the first. Uh, the second was The Goodbye Man. The third was The Final Twist. This is now Hunting Time. 
And uh, very briefly, it finds uh, Coulter Shaw seeking a reward in a, um, well, you grew up in, in, in the Midwest, as did I, in the Rust Belt. Uh, it's kind of, a, it's a fictional town, but it's it, it's not dissimilar from Gary, Indiana, where I drove through on my way to Michigan uh, to visit my grandparents uh, from Chicago, similar to Flint, Michigan, uh, you know, down at the Heels town, much of the industry has left, uh, been outsourced, and but there's a savior, an industrial savior who has come to town and is building now these things called portable nuclear reactors. I didn't know there was such a thing until I, I researched it. And yes, I mean, they're not the sort of thing you and I would pick up at Home Depot. You know, they're, they're 60 tons, it's, it's a, which is not really all that big considering uh, everything that goes on inside, but it's a regular nuclear reactor. And the, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the fellow who's designed these and is building them has discovered that, that a, a key component has gone missing. And um, he, he hires on a shot to track it down. Well, I'm not giving anything away, well, a little bit away, but let's suffice it to say that that problem is resolved fairly early. But the bigger problem is the that the engineer who designed it, she and her daughter have gone missing because her psychotic uh, husband uh, has uh, been released early from prison two really crazy uh, bad guys out of a Quentin Tarantino movie and a um, uh, an industrialist who thinks she is a whistleblower are all on her trail. And Coulter Shaw has decided for basically no money, just gratis to, to try to save her. And oh, and to top it all off, she thinks he's one of them working with this crew, whether they're working together or not, that's a big surprise. Well, I could go on and on. I've already gone on long enough, but uh, it's a... Um, Typical Deaver book, it takes place over a, uh, a very short period of time, about a day and a half. Uh, there are lots of internal reversals. Uh, for instance, we see that the fellow that, who looks like a, a friend of Coulter Shaw turns out to be in league with one of the bad guys. All that kind of stuff happens throughout the story. There's a big surprise ending followed by, yes, a big surprise ending. And after that, I was not content with two surprise endings. It's got three big surprise endings, uh, largely because readers are, are damn smart. And they can usually figure out one of them, sometimes two of them. But that's why I want to stick a third one in there, as I do in all of my books. And uh, I could tell you more, but then why would you all go out and buy it? So I'm going to stop it right there. Oh, that's enticing. It's, and, and the fact that you have a typical Deaver book, you know, that you can say that is, you know, mm. you have, you know, we love, we know you, we love you. Um, people keep coming back for more. Um, it's very, it's very exciting. And it's very cool that you, you know, you do different series, you do, you stretch and do different things mm -hmm. um, with your writing and your books. So it's, it's not, nothing is, it's typical yet not typical because, you know, you know what I mean? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a, definitely, a, they're definitely a, not the same. <laughs> actually, apropos of that, it's very interesting. There's a, uh, uh, a joke about uh, Hollywood producers. Well, there are many jokes about Hollywood producers. Uh, Hollywood is, uh, you know, it has some inherent humor in it, much of it dark humor, but some of it just uproarious humor. Well, th there's a phrase that goes around that when a producer is looking for a product and they call our books products, and I call my books products too, I don't have a problem with that. But when they're looking for a book uh, or a short story to turn into a, a movie, the producer wants something that has been wildly successful in the past and yet has never been done before. And it's it's a... You know, it is funny, and we kind of uh, laugh about that a little bit, but there's a lot of truth to it, uh, hence the proliferation of sequels. And 
I take that to heart. I think it's not bad advice. So what I try to do for my readers um, is uh, give them a, as I say, a typical Deaver book. And that's the template that I just described, you know, fast paced, uh, lots of uh, twists and turns, uh, big surprise endings, uh, shifting points of view, and I could go into more technical things. But so that's 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 what's been successful in the past. But then something that's new, that something that I, I have to make sure my readers are excited about. Uh, that could be in the case of the uh, latest Lincoln Rhyme book. Uh, I, I explored the topic of locks, and uh, the book's called The Midnight Lock. And I don't mean you know the electronic locks that we have on our our doors now, you know, these doorbells that are electronic and, you know, that are, uh, uh, what do they say, um, uh, internet enabled, because those can be hacked by any 13-year-old kid. I mean, that's nothing. You know, anybody could do that if you're if you're like 15 and under. I'm talking about the old-time locks, the metal locks. And I, I my, uh, my villain, as I, as did I, got obsessed with these things. And um, so that's the new take for the Lincoln Rhyme uh, uh, the latest Lincoln Rhyme book. In Hunting Time, it's the um, uh, 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 Colter Shaw having to team up with the engineer, this woman engineer who's absolutely brilliant, but not well-versed in the out-of-doors, whereas Colter Shaw is a survivalist. He knows the out-of-doors cold, but, um, but and she, again, she doesn't, but he doesn't know science and engineering. And so together, I just, I just love this, together, uh, they have to uh, build a defense to stop these bad guys. Again, I won't say whether they will or not. And also the other uh, antagonists, one of the, uh, the, the most difficult uh, forces they're up against is her attitudinal 16-year-old daughter. So that's like, uh, okay, she's, she's, not, uh, she's not a bad, bad person. She's just an attitudinal 16-year-old who doesn't want to play by the rules be self-defensive she wants to you know when she wants to go for a walk or a bike ride she goes outside no matter what or if she wants to post you know geotag her location oh so what if the bad guys get it it'll be okay <laughs> yes you wanted to dive you wanted to like cross genre and it's like a horror like raising a teenage daughter i think it's like a horror, right, yeah. horror enough yeah <laughs> for a few years <laughs> yeah yeah for like yeah, a few exactly. years it's few tough years, yeah. and then it's like oh it's god just, uh, <laughs> is this is this series over with yet? Oh my God, we got a couple right. seasons left. <laughs> How will we survive this? That's hilarious. <laughs> well, um, so let's go back. I love origin stories. Let's go back, and this actually might be the first official question, although I've asked you a bunch already. <laughs> what um, brought you to fiction? You you know you're an attorney. You're you worked with banks. I mean that seems not fictional <laughs> at all. Um, how did your writing career get started fictionally? Well, well fictionally. I'll, I, I'll answer that, but I'll correct you there. Uh, lawyering yeah there's a lot of fiction involved i'm sorry <laughs> creative uh, writing <laughs> creative writing yeah exactly uh how did i get started i always wanted to be a writer uh, ever since i was a, a little kid uh and my life for the first um, let's say my adult life young adult life um and uh, 20s and early 30s was simply um uh, uh, looking for a means to support myself uh because i'm I, i'm not the uh starving artist in the garret kind of person i you know i like necessities of life i like going out to restaurants and things like that and you know there are no prodigy writers um you know jackson pollock was sprinkling paint on probably his mother's floor when he was a, three years old and mozart we know was composing when he was quite young um but uh, the, and those are the plastic artists and the musicians but 
you know, writers, they have to live a certain period of time, uh, as you, of course, you yourself well know, and um, being so prolific. And um, I, I, I guess I was probably 12. I wrote my first novel when I was 12. It was, you know, really like a, an extended short story. But I knew then I wanted to uh, to write. I was a nerd when I was growing up. I had uh, no talent for sports. Uh, I was ignored by cheerleaders and pom-pom girls who, who would, of course, uh, go for the, uh, the captain of the football team. And uh, no, my first novels were not about revenge against captains of the football team. They tended to be more, uh, they were angst-ridden, but they were more almost, you know, geopolitical angst-ridden things with some, you know, espionage and uh, Cold War kind of stuff thrown in. Uh, but I knew then, I, and they were terrible, and I knew then that they were terrible. And I uh, thought to myself, well, uh, it's going to take me uh, a while to get my chops down. And uh, so let's focus on things that will allow me to use my skills as a writer, such as journalism. And I was a, a reporter for a while, uh, singer songwriter, never professionally, but that gave me a chance to write music, which I loved. And then uh, at, um, um, at the practice of law, I was not really a particularly good lawyer, but I did law is, is communications. That's that's 100% of what law is. And uh, either in court, verbally, or uh, in writing the briefs or the, the corporate documents uh, for uh, business deals. And I was very good at that. And then finally, in my mid-30s, uh, I'd been writing, uh, finally got to be uh, uh, confident enough to start to write fiction and sold a few things. And then... Um, uh, after I published about six novels, I took a deep breath and I was making um, enough money to live on as, as a, a, an author. And I just said, OK, I'll make the jump. And that was 1989, I guess. And never looked back. It's awesome. I love that. You just you had a You had a passion and you just were very methodical about it. You, you know, it seems like there was yes. a through line. There was always a through line of I'm just yeah. going to be a writer. But I think a lot of us, like you said, you have to sort of build around that career with other things. So I, I was in sales and marketing because I could talk to anybody all day. <laughs> so yeah, I exactly. sales yeah. and marketing. You just be like, oh, you know, and, but it's, it involves communication and writing. And as you say, you know, as long as you keep that at the forefront, it's like practice. Exactly. You did. Well, that's good. Good choice. Very good. So now <laughs> I, have a, I, I have another question for you. As someone who writes all these very memorable characters, um, do you have a favorite character or is it like choosing between your children? <laughs> um, no, no, I don't. And that actually brings up a, a very, uh, two, two important points. And if I can uh, just address yeah. them quickly. Um, the, the first is about the importance of uh, character. And I, I, I know that you have a number of uh, writers out there in your audience and maybe potential writers as well. And this is something I heard a few years ago and it adjusted my way of uh, approaching writing um, fundamentally. And this was a, uh, I think a nurse, neuroscientist who was on NPR and she was saying that the part of our brain that creates an emotional connection between ourselves and the real people in our lives, our family, uh, our friends, uh, our enemies, uh, the bad boss, the guy who cuts us off on the, on the highway, it, whether it's a good or bad emotional connection, nonetheless, it's an emotional connection. That's a little tiny part of our brain. That's the same part of our brain that creates a, a connection with uh, fictional characters, exactly the same. And um, so to the extent you create um, more credible and fully fleshed out fictional characters, 
um, the more emotionally engaging your books are going to be. And the books should be emotionally engaging. That's the that's the end goal. Period. That's they should not be interesting. They should not be educational. I mean, I'm talking about fiction now, of course. Um, uh, it should not be. Um, they should not be breathtakingly beautiful in terms of the uh, scintillating prose. They have to grab you by the guts and by the heart and race you through the book from start to finish. And um, uh, so I, I thought I, I haven't. I never neglected my characters. I've created uh, again. You know, I've written ninety short stories, 45, 44, 45 novels, whatever my website says. And um, I, uh, I I found that. Um, I spent a lot of time on characters, but the last say I think th like maybe seven years ago, and for the last seven years, well, I spent a lot of time on the characters, uh, much more so than I did. I, I don't neglect plot. I'm still primarily a plot-driven author, but I don't neglect the um, uh, the characters by any means. So, well, that's point one in answer to your uh, your great question. Uh, the, the actual answer to your question about do I have a favorite character, and the answer is no, and that's because I. Uh, I'm very distant from my work. I have no emotional engagement uh, in, in the book at all. The emotional engagement, I want to be between the, the story and the readers. And my job, therefore, is to be detached, as completely detached as I can be. And if I write a scene that maybe makes me choke up a little bit, I usually cut it out because it's um, I, I like it for an inappropriate reason. I might like it because it might be right might remind me of something about my past. It might be because it's a very well put together uh, a paragraph. And I love uh, style. I love a great uh, uh, writing style. Uh, my favorite author probably is Saul Bellow, the uh, 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 literary Nobel uh, laureate uh, who can put together sentences like nobody's business. His books are, they're kind of dense. Uh, there's no question about it. He's an intellectual uh, artistic writer uh, and sometimes not a lot happens in them, but to, to read his stories, uh, just you pay attention to every word. And that's, um, you know, that's all, uh, that's all good, but I don't want to do that. I want this emotional connection. My job is to step back and uh, say, okay, this works for the readers. That's where the emotion goes. I mean, I'm like a, you know, a neurosurgeon or a, uh, you know, a pilot. And, you know, she's flying along the 737 and looks out and sees a, uh, a thunderstorm. Oh, it's a thunderstorm. Big deal. You know, the plane's stressed for it. I fly, the, 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 we can fly through thunderstorms. I know how to fly through thunderstorms. Or she sees a beautiful sunset. Yeah, sunset, who cares? I'm going back to looking at the dials and playing those video games they've got on the, you know, the cockpit. And uh, uh, I, um, was it uh, Wordsworth? I think William Wordsworth, I may be mis misstating this, but anyway, a, late, a poet from a while ago, like a 19th century poet, uh, said uh, poetry is emotion, but it's emotion recollected in tranquility. So say you go through a breakup or you have this very emotional scene and you want to sit down and write a poem about it, or we could jump to prose. You want to write about it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just wait. You know, let the facts gel a little bit. Let the emotions settle down so that when you write, you can come up with good metaphors, good figures of speech, uh, you can kind of put the uh, emotion in a context and then it will have a, a much better um, uh, means of moving your audience. So, um, uh, so in other words, I don't really have a favorite, uh, uh, favorite character. I, I mean, I feel bad that the uh, Catherine Dance books, I like writing the Catherine Dance books, 
And people have said there, I don't write them any longer. I may in the future, but people say, so you don't like her? Well, no, I like her as a character. She's she's a good person to work with as a, like she's, I could say she's like a good type of clay for me to sculpt her. People didn't read them. They, they weren't as popular as the Lincoln Rhyme books and they're not as popular now as the Coulter Shaw. You know, being a business person, I just, I can't, I can't, you know, create, uh, I, I'm only, I was going to say at this age, but it's always been true. I, I, I kind of can do a book a year and not much more than that. Yeah, well, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot um, considering, the, you know. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to turn things around. You must do at least two a year, don't you? Um, I was for a while, um, and I do write a lot of short stories now. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and I have a, I always have a few novels going. So. Oh, I, I was going at the same time, right? Now, let me ask you a question to you, and I, I will answer it, a question that you may have asked me. So this will be not only about you, but about me as well. Uh, I cannot outline, and I do outline, and we might want to talk about that later. Uh, I cannot outline two books at once, and I cannot write the prose for two books at once. In other words, the narrative and the dialogue, but I can outline one and write the prose for another one how how did, could you do write two books at once that is it's it's a little difficult i'd like to get the the majority of the writing done um in a few in a few months and then kind of set it aside and then maybe work on a sure, second yeah. outline and then exactly. go back i mean I, I can't like sort of do them in the same time they, uh, right I, you can but I have, it has to be in different stages i guess is what i mean so yeah, i can exactly. start thinking yeah. about the next one yeah because my brain um, wants to tell me that one story, you know, over and over again until I get it all the way done. Do you find that to be, well, you, you write one book a year, so that you're focused on how long does it take you? Well, this will be official question. How long does it take you to get that first draft done? Uh, well, I, I outlined for about eight months. Uh, oh, wow. a, a full-time job. Um, I do the research at the same time. And the um, outlines end up being about, uh, now I'm going to have to, I'll put it this way, 150 pages, pieces of paper, my outline. But technically, it's only 75 pages because there, there's a double wide margin on the right because I put notes in there when I go through it over and over and over again. Um, but it's extensively outlined. I don't know anyone who outlines as much as I do. And when I teach my courses in it, I tell my students, uh, no, don't, don't do it. It works for me, but whatever works for you. However, uh, you're going to hear people say they're pantsers, and that's, you know, that's fine. But um, it's easier and I think more efficient. And in general, it produces a better uh, product to at least know where you're going from start to finish. Joyce Carol Oates said you can't uh, write the first sentence until you know what the last sentence is. And I absolutely uh, believe that. So when the outline's done, it's got everything in the book. I know all the where all the clues are, where all the characters enter the book. Uh, and when they leave, either vertically or horizontally, because not everybody survives the end of one of my books, I um, uh, know where uh, how the subplots interweave. I know where all the twists are, and uh, I have uh, you know little snippets of dialogue, uh, but there's really no prose in there. That all, that all comes later. So when the outline's done, I put that in front of me with the research material, and out comes the first draft in you know I don't know two months. I can do you know, 10,000 words um, at a, I can't really sit that. I used to be able to sit for that long and do 10,000 words. I can't do that. Uh, but I can, you know, I can, as long as I can have the energy and the, the, the my back isn't hurting so much, I can probably get 5,000 words a day done. I may not do that many. I could do like sometimes 500, but, but uh, the book comes out very quickly. But then 
uh, rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. And if that wants you want that to be another question, we can talk about that too, because I feel very strongly about rewriting. So anyway, that's how long it takes to uh, do a book. One a year. I also do about four short stories uh, a year, and I write. Uh, my my traditional publisher in America is Putnam Random House, and I do uh, a novel a year for them, and then a, uh, a one short story a year. A short story that kind of is a um, it's not a teaser, but it kind of relates to my novel. But I write original uh, short stories for Amazon Original Stories, which oh. is a, a great venue available on, on Kindle. They're a, uh, it's, it's part of Thomas and Mercer. And um, uh, I, I just I, I love it. It's a very good editing process to get the uh, short stories out into the hands of people. Uh, they I write long short stories. They're like, you know, anywhere from 14 to 17,000 words, sometimes a little longer than that. And they have no problem with that. Of course, there's no page length if you're dealing with pixels. So you don't don't have to worry about that. But um, uh, and in fact, I've got a, a, an interesting project coming out. Um, maybe I think this month of November, it's a it's called The Broken Doll. And it's a four short story cycle of each short story is independent, has its own, own, own title, beginning, middle and end, big surprise end, all four of them. But um, they're all related in some way. They all take place in uh, roughly the same, same time frame, although we jump back and forth in time a little bit. Maybe uh, one uh, story will take place on, on Friday and uh, we meet character Fred. And then the third short story will take place the prior Thursday and we meet Fred in a very different context. I'm not explaining this very well. I call it Dashiell Hammett meets Quentin Tarantino. There's just no other way to describe it. But anyway, as you can tell, you write short fiction. I write short fiction. I love it. And uh, so that's my, uh, you know, generally my output. And and I, I don't know about you. I have no problem with it at all. I frankly have never been asked to write uh, with someone else. I mean, I've done some some of these serial novels. You may have done some of those too, where I'll write the first chapter, then hand it off to Lee Child or Karen Slaughter or somebody like that. Then they'll write the next chapter and hand it off to somebody else. Those are kind of fun. But um, I have, um, we know what James Patterson does and it's great. You know, he's, his output is incredible working with other authors and it gets wonderful books out into the hands of people. I just, I can't do it. I just don't play well with others. It's just a quirk within me. I think it's fine. And I kind of wish I did, but do you do do that? Have you ever written uh, with somebody? I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't. I've, you know, I've collaborated with other editors on anthologies and things like that. And, sure, you know, we've yeah. read, you know, but not, I've never co-written with anyone and I'm kind of feel the same there was a someone suggested it one time and I thought, well, how's that going to work? And then didn't it didn't happen <laughs> anyway, because that yeah. was kind of like one of those things like, oh, good, that didn't happen. Because I was like, how is this going to work? How, you know, is it going to be? And I have no problem with other people, you know, I guess. But I just wasn't sure how it was going to work. Well, like, I don't you know, whose brain whose brain is in charge of this project. I'm not no, sure. Well, it's, you know? it's exactly. And uh, again, I, I not play well with others. I, I don't think I'm feisty or mean about it. I just don't. It's not in my nature. And I uh, never been in a writer's group. I don't. Uh, I'm not anti-writers group. I, I just, my feeling is, and I've never been in one. So I, I'm just looking at it from a distance, but um, my, I, I know a lot of people get, get much out of it, uh, but my question would be, uh, these are probably your friends and you probably respect them to some extent, but can they, are they really competent to give you a valid critique that will get you, uh, that will help get you published or help improve the, the product, even if it's under, contract and it might be i suspect in many cases probably not 
And then I don't show pages to anybody. I, I when I submit my, uh, I mean, I, I I hire a copy editor, but just a copy editor of my own. And then uh, when the book is uh, done, it goes to my main editor, who will edit. Of course, I'll get an editorial letter. But uh, th- but but even if I didn't, that book could be published. I mean, it could stand on its own, ready to go. And I'm not going to go back and forth. And I, I find that not. Uh, not helpful i got a uh, i won't mention any any uh, uh any names any publications uh, but it, it was a short story and this was not amazon this was a, a thing i did for somebody else <laughs> so they sent, submitted the uh the short story and this was uh, just a kind of a favor to somebody and uh i i got the editorial letter back which was one sentence and it said uh I, i'm not sure the the beginning works as well as it could considering the ending do you want to revisit that? And my answer was no. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, say you 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 set the season wrong. It was fall in the beginning, and and uh, you know spring at the end, or uh, or legitimately, you know, you, the the character's personality was inconsistent from the beginning to the end. I'll you know hell I'll I'll I'll, I'll fix that. It's a mistake I made, but this is doesn't quite work. No, I don't think so. That's not gonna. That's a, give me something to work with. Okay. Yeah. Since you're asking, the answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks yeah. for asking, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said you said ask you about revision. So let, I'm going to ask you about revision. It wasn't on my list of questions, but you said you're very passionate about revision. So please tell our writing okay. listeners Does, about revision. Okay, but uh, but Sean, does this count as one of the five, or are we up to six now? Is this going to be the six? I'm happy this, to answer six of your questions. Don't I worry. have one so, more official. I have one uh, more official question after okay, this. Okay, all right, good. Uh, re- rewriting. Um, uh, in my case, it's absolutely necessary because I bang out the first draft so quickly. And first drafts are two things. I, I, okay, I'm going to say almost everybody's first drafts are two things. Uh, too long, because it's easier to write long than just to write short. And it's probably pretty bad in, in many senses. Uh, sloppy. Uh, you know, you get the idea down. And when that kind of fire is within you, you you just race forward and you you know certainly there are typos but you know you make mistakes you suit on in one paragraph and three paragraphs later it's a brown suit you've got a stuff like that but then also conceptual problems um so uh i have always rewritten a great uh, a great deal because i've had to uh, hemingway said there are no great writers there are only great rewriters and i think that's uh that's true i do uh about 50 rewrites. Uh, now that sounds daunting, but of course the final rewrites are, you know, a few little tiny changes here and there. The first, however, are quite significant. I do the first, well, let's divide it up into thirds, say, or however many you want to. Let's say the first uh, 20 revisions, 15 to 20 revisions are on the computer because it's easier to um, search and replace names it's easier to, um, uh, although I've done the outline, uh, I, I just pretty much, uh, the book pretty much reflects that. There could still be, um, you know, a chapter that doesn't quite work here. And I'm going to cut that out, uh, maybe take it out altogether, or maybe move it in a different form to someplace else, or take the uh, the prose out of that and uh, put it into another chapter, cut it down and put it into another chapter. And you know, to do that on paper is just a, a, a lot of work. You know, I, I I tell my students nobody no no student has ever said this, but I I kind of have this thing in my imagination that um, you know when I talk about cutting and pasting, 
it's not metaphoric. When we started in this business, some of us actually cut and pasted uh, into our first manuscripts that were like this thick because you'd have usually they're taped, not, you know, I would tape corrections over corrections, over corrections, over corrections. And oh. so, uh, but that's a lot easier on the uh, computer. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You had <laughs> those, uh, uh, and anyway, so uh, those, um, uh, those changes on, on the, uh, uh, on the computer. Well, then you have to print it out because we, we read a, um, a book differently than we read when it's uh, on the screen. We just do. We see mm -hmm. things differently. We see things more clearly. Um, the, the, the words jump off the page uh, much more impactfully than they do on the screen. And this is not anecdotal. I can, I can prove it. I, I mean, I just, it has yeah. happened so many times. Uh, you know, the perfect case is, you know, typos certainly, but uh, you, well, you know, we both know, and I'm sure many of your your uh, listeners do too, that uh, it's considered inartful to have a, a word repeat within the same paragraph. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, an, an example, this is a silly example I use, but it, it gets the idea across. Uh, you know, he, uh, uh, he he walked into the room which was painted avocado green. He reached under the bed to, and he found the bag that had the clue in it and he pulled it out and it was soft as a ripe avocado. And then he went out for uh, lunch with somebody and had avocado toast later. No, of course, that's, again, that's silly. But things like that do happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, because we just don't think about it, you'll miss that on the screen a hundred times, but you'll see that uh, on the printed page. And then finally, you've got to read the book out loud. And if you don't read it out loud, which I've given up doing because it's real tedious. You have to listen to it out loud. And I use the program in Word um, that's very good. Or I also use a program if I'm listening, if I don't have my uh, computer with me, a program, an app that I, I think I bought, you buy it once for $10 or you can use the free version. It's called uh, uh, Natural Soft, Natural Reader by the company's Natural Soft. And it reads, uh, you have to convert your your book to uh, PDF, which Word does, you know, instantly. That's not a problem. And uh, it will read the PDF back to you. You print your manuscript out and you follow word for word. And uh, you'll find a lot of stuff and you will vastly improve uh, your book. And I have writer friends who say, no way in hell. <laughs> I've written it. I ain't listening to that. I'm sick of it. But, well, Okay. You do that at your own peril. So anyway, that's the uh, that's the uh, revising uh, story. So uh, rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. It's fascinating that you do it so many times and that you don't get sick of it, you know, because it, that's just fascinating. And I've never heard anyone say that they keep themselves at a distance from their work. So it's you, this has been very uh, revelatory. I've, I've learned a lot from you during this conversation already because that's oh, just, well, I, you don't oh, usually hear you. that. You hear people say, oh, it's my heart on it's my heart on paper and every, you know, people trashing it makes yeah. me tear, you know, feel terrible. Well, when I, and then what I, uh, yeah, I think Saul Bellow uh, said actually um, about uh, criticism uh, that when somebody says uh, they don't like, uh, he said, it's a perfect excuse to say to hell with you, I'm going to write what I want. And that's true. I mean, it, when it comes to criticism, I'll listen to, I got trashed recently by some, a uh, uh, couple of reviews and uh, they made no sense. Absolutely no sense. They, they were not uh, responsive to the, the book. And I'll, uh, you know, I, there, there's criticism one could easily uh, aim at my, my work. Uh, the maybe too many twists 
you know, they, they can be a little breathtaking. Um, I don't mean breathtaking in a good way. I mean, uh, they may, they leave you breathless. Let's put it that way. Um, I can, I manipulate my readers. I, I end up, uh, I end many chapters on cliffhangers. Um, that's what I like to read. So that's what I'm, I'm going to do. Um, I, oddly enough, I've had a criticism that I don't, my books aren't really that violent. People, if it's about crime, people want to see a good, you know, gruesome uh, killing or something like that. And those are, you know, that's my choice. It's subjective, but a critic could say that. But, you know, when you, you say, oh, this book didn't work on so many levels. Well, okay, tell me what levels they are. You know, I think about uh, my favorite critic of all time, no longer with us, was John Updike, a New Yorker writer and crit critic and a fiction writer, short stories. He wrote novels, but mostly short story writer. And he was so brilliant. He would never review anything. And he reviewed uh, literature, uh, reviewed some popular fiction, uh, reviewed uh, photography, music, art, architecture. and But he never wrote a review of anything uh, that he had not, uh, let me put it this way. He, he had studied the um, artist's entire body of work. He may not have read everything he or she had written, but was familiar with the entire body of work. And then was also familiar with other artists uh, in the same genre. And then he brought all that information to a very um, helpful and insightful review that said, uh, well, you, you know, if you like this, this author, uh, you're definitely going to, uh, he never even said you're going to like it or not like it. He would say this author uh, stumbled a little bit here and she did such a good job in this book. However, she excelled in this particular aspect of the book, characterization or whatever. Uh, whereas, um, in her early books, uh, she was not quite so diligent. So we can see a definite, um, a, um, a definite improvement in her approach to this. Well, that's a review, and now we as as consumers can look at that and say, "Oh, well, that's uh, that makes sense." Now I may want to read this. I may not want to read it. That's what a review should be. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas just a you know a, a hit job doesn't really help anybody. I, I, I like I read you know mo well I can't read them all because they're thousands of them, but read uh, fan reviews. And I, I like to read uh, mostly the bad ones because um, uh, they tell me what I'm doing wrong. And those are very yeah. specific because I've done something that the reader um, uh, dislikes. I, some of them are just great. You know, uh, the print was too small, seriously. And you probably have these reviews too. And the book, Amazon, one star. The book arrived with a torn jacket, <laughs> so, yeah. you know. One star. Uh, yeah, one star. And, uh, you know, theoretically, I guess Amazon should have a, you know, a form and a substance, uh, you know, two different reviews. But uh, anyway, uh, okay. So yeah. now do, 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 I think we have question number five or one six. One more, or one more question. I'll tell you real quick. My first, my first one star review on one of my books was uh, one star and one word, boring. Boring. I just, I just started laughing. I just laughed. I was yeah. like, "What's so funny?" I'm like, "I know, I'm boring." I said, "I've never, yeah. I've been called a lot of things in my life, I've never boring." But I just, boring it just was never me, one. Yeah. yeah, it cracked me up. I just, it, it, I was like, "Thank you so much. A... Thank well, you for I bringing love, me down a peg." Yeah, I, I, I love the, uh, the reviews where um, uh, the uh, reviewer has not read the book. I, I wrote one uh, a few years ago called "Praying for Sleep," in which it appears uh, that a, um, a uh, a bad guy who actually is a, a paranoid schizophrenic and more per, uh, schizophrenic personality, but in a mental hospital for a, a crime, escapes 
and pursues a, a woman. And he's kind of a big slavering uh, fellow. And um, the, um, uh, you know, it dealt with the, the trope of the, um, uh, the helpless uh, female and the, uh, the large slavering, you know, pre-Harvey Weinstein, but Harvey Weinstein kind of character, although sex was not a component of this book. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so I was trashed by a, a reviewer who was, was a, a woman. Well, the, the book was not about that at all. At the end, it turned out that uh, she was indeed a very uh, strong character. He was um, not after her. He was pursuing her to warn her about her husband, who was the actual killer. And together, she and this um, um, this uh, troubled uh, patient uh, formed an alliance and turned the tables on uh, her husband. And, uh, you know, she hadn't read it, uh, clearly. And, yeah. You know, did I pursue it? No, of course not. You're never going to win an argument like that. But uh, No, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Final question. Uh, and this has been one of the most interesting, intriguing interviews that I've had. Oh, yeah, um, I'm talking I, with you, Sean. Yeah, I so appreciate it. Um, you say you're, you've mentioned your students a couple times and I know you teach and you gave, you gave a very inspiring speech that I heard in person in Florida not too long ago this year. Um, what is the best piece of advice you can give to aspiring writers? Knowing all sure. you know. Sure. I would say um, write in the genre that you love. And um, in other words, if you uh, note that J.K. Rowling is now a, a, a billionaire and you write, um, you know, cozy detective fiction, don't think, and you and that's what you love. You've always read Agatha Christie and Dorothy L. Sayers and Ruth Rendell and so forth. Uh, don't decide that to make money, you're going to write uh, about uh, uh, wizards. It just, it won't work. Uh, write what you enjoy reading and have always done. Um, know where you're going to go in the story. Outline to some extent. Um, it doesn't have to be as extensive as mine. And in fact, it shouldn't be because that would, I think that would paralyze, paralyze you. A page is fine. That's all you need to do. Know where it's going to go. Um, uh, okay, number two. Uh, number uh, three, have a surprise ending of some sort. Um, that just thrills people. They like surprises. Uh, and it's not that hard to do. Mistaken identity, uh, Shakespeare went a long way with that. He got away with stuff like that. Um, uh, and, you know, the book has to end on a, a, a high note. Uh, and, and so a surprise ending would do that. And I guess I would say, oh, and don't hesitate to rewrite, 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 rewrite. And then finally, just remember that rejection is a speed bump. It's not a brick wall. And um, I mean that, um, I, I mean that quite uh, seriously. Um, I, I see that there are many, uh, nothing wrong with self-publishing. I know people who do it and make, you know, six figures self-publishing, nothing wrong with it at all. There's a big audience out there. Uh, and some people want to self-publish. Some people do not want to self-publish and they settle for self-publishing and hybrid publishing too. You know, nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with it, but they settle for it when they want to be traditionally published and they just don't stick stick with it. If you follow that advice, write what you enjoy, um, uh, uh, write what you enjoy reading, uh, plan the book out ahead of time, uh, rewrite, uh, uh, you know, a fair amount. Make sure, you know, make sure the, uh, uh, the book um, uh, is 
polished and ready to go and have some big surprise ending so that the readers say, huh, never saw that coming. You'll get published. You know, you'll get published. If you're going to write a book, you know how to use that, you know, presumably English language, maybe Spanish language now, whatever is the language of your choice. But you, you can put words together. That's that's not a problem. And even if you don't put them together quite as well as you would like, there are editors who can do that for you. But um, uh, but just don't ever stop. Just keep at it. That's great advice. That's really, really valuable and helpful. And I think that's going to inspire a lot of people because it's all very true and valid and it's worked for many, not just you. I mean, I that that blueprint you've just laid out, I've heard other people, that's what I did. You know, I did Indeed, this and yes. now I'm successful. And, and you know, you're right about the, whatever your end game publishing wise is, it should be what you want it to be for your career. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're just oh, you're just a joy. You're a oh, joy to a talk pleasure. to. Well, this is fun. Sorry, I pre <laughs> I, I turned the tables on you because I was actually curious. From you, you, you've got you know, uh, you've got a greater output than I have, and I, I just certainly uh, always, uh, I always pick things up. I'll tell you one faster. I, you, you know, you can you can edit as much as you want, but this is rather interesting. I was the uh, keynoter and again the veteran author at a. Um, um, I can't remember where it was. It was a writer's conference at a school, uh, but it, it was not a, a part of the educational uh, program. It was just a conference that happened to be at a school. But so there were a lot of students there. Uh, and um, so I, you know, gave my keynote address and uh, uh, taught a course in writing. And then uh, just as a courtesy and for the fun of it, because I was like doing it, I sat in on some sessions as well. And I'm listening to a, a young man who was very nervous about speaking to the uh, audience just published his first book and he said uh yeah the editorial process was um uh, i i didn't know it was going to be like that but the editor was pretty strict and uh but it, it was good i mean he he came up with some things for instance he he looked at my book and uh he said well you know uh whatever his name was um i, I read your manuscript and it's it's good definitely but there's some things we have to fix for instance in your dialogue uh often you start uh, your sentence by with the character saying, well, comma, dot, 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 dot. And uh, he said, well, I, I searched for those and I took them out. Sorry. I went right up to my hotel room and globally searched uh, well. And I had it, I don't know, 50 times. And I had never would have done that. My editor probably wouldn't have paid any attention to it. Uh, so I had that young man to... Uh, Thanks. So at a, a writer's group, whoever I'm talking to, I always learn a little bit of something. Look at that. Well, that's good. You know, and you've, you've been, you're very humble and you're very, um, you know, self-deprecating too. I really like that. <laughs> you know, you could be out, Oh, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. I can make mistakes with the best of them. Believe yes, me. <laughs> we all can. And all the right. fact that we realize that makes us such nicer people. I really love that. Well, you, you know what I have to say, I, I've been involved in Hollywood. I've been involved in law and, uh, I have to say, in general, writers are a pretty good crew. You know, you've got your egos. And if there's any problem, it's 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 not the backbiting. I don't see any jealousy. You know, it's it's not like, um, you, you know, if somebody is going to have enough money to buy one of your books and one of my books in the same year. We don't compete. It's not like we're making, you know, sports cars. Um, so there's not that. There's some ego, definitely ego, uh, usually unearned ego, uh, because, you know, some of the authors who are, with their noses up in the air kind of lucked into where they are i mean their books are good but they're not you know they're not that good uh, but on the whole writers are very generous and and kind and fun and funny too 
and uh there was uh, i was in hollywood and you know you can cut all this out but i was in hollywood a while ago with my agent and uh <laughs> he takes me down to have a drink and uh we're in the bar and it's the beverly hills i think maybe the beverly hill it, it was uh, i can't remember what it was but it's the hotel where they shot pretty woman oh, and uh right. whatever hotel that was great you know hotel. so we're in the bar and here's here's my agent and his assistant and i'm sitting facing them and we're having a drink and suddenly their eyes go this way and they're kind of talking you know sotto voce they're saying stuff that i can't quite hear and I, I i look behind me and then i i hear them i do hear them say he's picking out the pecans it was and i well i can't remember what the nut was but it's john leguizamo if that's how you pronounce his name great yeah. actor you know but they saw him taking a particular type of nut out of the mixed nuts and they were filing that away for when i mean screw you jeff you know we're gonna we're not focused you're not Je john leguizamo by any means we'll pay for your drink this meeting is important because we want to know what kind of nuts this man does not like. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, this is Hollywood. What can I say? This is Hollywood. Okay, Sean, great talking to you. And yes, I, I would never, I would never cut out any, I would never cut out anything you say, by the way. Oh, so oh you don't have to worry about <laughs> Oh, very kind. Um, okay, well, uh, anyway, I hope I'll pass across again in person at some point. I guess next yeah. year they probably will because I'm doing Thriller Fest and uh, maybe Bauchukan. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, Maybe if I can, uh, I, I'm, you know, one never knows, but I'm going for the Susan Lucci approach to uh, Edgar's. I'm up to eight, no wins at this point. I want to make it an even dozen if I possibly can. So awesome. uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. You're on your way. Now. Yeah, you're on your <laughs> way. Thank care. you so much. Thank you so okay. much for being here. I appreciate it. Everyone run out and buy hunting time and find Jeff online everywhere okay. in the world. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good day.